you finish all your studies? Uh, I finished all my studies. Uh, uh, what was your like favorite uh, subject, like marketing, uh, basic economics? Like, what aspect of a uh, university was your favorite when it came to uh, economics? Um, so I particularly like data analytics, um, sort of how it combined with economics to, you know, sort of act, add like a bit of, um, you know, to be honest, I, I originally started with the, the idea that, uh, you know, economics was kind of hard data analysis and, you know, obviously quickly throughout your studies, you realize it's actually more of a social science, but I liked mixing that with, uh, with the maths that I was quite good at, um, into something where you actually make sense of, you know, these ideas that you have about how people interact and then you can actually see it working out in practice. Yeah, I understand. Uh, Pokey, I should Pokey, Pookie, Mookie. I think I just unmuted you. It's probably because you're. Uh, oh, well, now you've muted yourself. So, uh, it's probably just because your microphone was shite earlier. And was annoying everyone else, like whoever that person is. Is that's? Do you think you're in a hurricane or something? Yes. Um. Yeah. I live in Florida. <laughs> okay. So everyone here, um, that has not already must before they come into the comment section, go over to the YouTube video and at least like and leave a comment, even if you just say "Economics Explained made me." Because right. I'm Man's so forcing this to, to manipulate the algorithm. Yes, go over and yeah. say economics explain. Don't worry, I already did it. Excellent. And Thank also, I'm so sick of uh, people coming here and being like, "Oh, hello, I have a question." Um, you know about something that you explained in the video. Uh, you know, can you explain this to me? I'm like, what did you did you watch the video? No. <laughs> this is a. Could you explain the economy of the USA? <laughs> Please, that's important to me. I, I did yes. hear it in the video. Yes, what, what do you think about American multinationals and the way that they extract <laughs> value from other nations? Hey, here's a take from me. Uh, the USA is still a manufacturing powerhouse, but instead of cars, they produce uh, software. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably a, a pretty fair, um, pretty fair statement. You know, software is just a major industry these days. It's uh, producing unfathomable amounts of wealth because it's a zero well, marginal cost the, game as well. The manufacturing hardware moved from Ohio to Silicon Valley because yeah. it's still producing a product for mass consumption. But, yeah. uh, you know, people are still in the 20th century paradigm about manufacturing uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. And they I think just the, produce physical goods. The thing is yeah, that America... It still has, um, for the most part, a really powerful manufacturing centre. Uh, you know, you think if the nation, the country, the company, sorry, that it has, um, you know, companies like, well, I mean, Ford, GE, uh, General Motors, they're still um, chugging along and, you know, say what you will about them. They're still employing you know, tens of thousands of people and manufacturing tens of thousands of cars. But even companies like Boeing, um, you know, where obviously the actual output is probably less visible to the average person, but they are producing items worth hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, and they're, ex you know, exporting, you know, very, very valuable, very, very high-tech goods uh, at, a, at an enormous rate, and it's something that kind of flies under the radar <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah, there certainly are very, very productive industries, and then certainly on top of that, 
you know, tech in the United States is is incredible with the amount of wealth that's generated for um, you know people very very quickly. F thirty five are a very productive industry. Uh, okay, I think I got a question that uh, nobody asked you yet. What do you think the top five economies in Africa are that we have to look uh, uh, forward uh, developing even more? What do you think that the next uh, big thing in Africa is? To be honest with you, I actually don't know. I haven't done enough research on Africa as a continent to um, really sort of yeah, give you a, a list that would have any kind of merit. Isn't Nigeria, one of the fastest growing no, economies. Yeah, Nigeria is the fastest growing economy, technically speaking. Yeah, true. It's just that Nigeria is a thousand times more stable. Which is, yeah. I mean, if hey, if it's stable, you know, I'm going to love it, right? Well, it's as yeah, stable it's, as the uh, 73 tribes that live in the country, you know. You know, stable is a relative. So let's say that Russia also has the same amount of resources as U USA. Then why isn't Russia very successful at uh, economics, apart nah. from all the politics? Ah. I really wanted to say communism. Ah, well, yeah, it's so beautiful. Incorrect. Yeah, well, it's so beautiful that you said so, because, look, I mean, in a lot of senses, you're right. Uh, Russia has got a big land mass. It doesn't quite have the same kind of arable land, so it does fall behind a little bit in that. Certainly it has, you know, farmland that's probably a little less when productive. When it had the uh, Central Asian colony, then it had the, all the arable land mass. Hmm. But a big thing is, um, and, uh, it's, you know, by the same, by the same token, um, you know, if we look at something like the Democratic Republic of the Congo, one of the poorest nations on earth, it has more natural resource, resources per capita than the United States, but it's still much, much poorer. Uh, the, uh, okay, I don't know if you have read the dictator's handbook, but that kind of explains why things are as they are in these resource-rich countries. Okay, well, really that read that maybe to the colonialism, but let's say that Congo some, someday reconciles with its past. So does it still have a chance of growing something like a so, very good country, a stable country? It does, but stability is the key to a good economy. And there are certainly factors on top of that. If you have a lot of natural resources and you have stability, fantastic. That's like going to be a multiplier. Um, you know, if you have good arable land on top of a stable country, fantastic. That's another multiplier. But if you're coming from something that's zero, you can add all the multipliers you want. You're still going to get zero, right? Um, so countries like the Democratic Republic of the Congo, countries like Russia, uh, even where there is a lot less stability, there's a lot less willingness for the international community to invest in countries like that, because who knows what's going to happen with them in 10 years. Uh, you find that even though they have all these natural resources, even though they have all this arable land, even though they have all this mineral wealth, they can't actually utilize it because they don't have the infrastructure capacity oh. to effectively remove and profit from these. And even if they did, it doesn't get passed along to the citizens to build a self-fulfilling kind of economy. It just gets channeled to, you know, some dictators and something like that. Yeah, which don't have the same kind of propensity so to build a domestic to do market. Than, uh, the nature of the country. It does. I mean, isn't there? There's this really cool video called the "Economics of Poverty" made by this guy called Economics Explained. I don't know. I don't know if you checked it out, but it's it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Yeah, certainly. I, I would encourage you to go and read that. Uh, oh, go and watch that, sorry, because it, it does. I mean, that sort of expresses my view of what I have of a lot of uh, economies. Unless you have the foundation, unless you, people have stability, uh, unless you have st stability of an economy and people have confidence in it, 
does not matter what else you have. You can literally be sitting on an island made of solid gold, and it's not you're not gonna you're not gonna do well off it. You're just not gonna do well off it. Well, one uh, natural resource is, is, is major uh, prerequisite to uh, an economic success. I'm sorry. So political stability is the major prerequisite to an economic success in any country. Yeah. Yeah, and you know stability stability in general um you can say uh, obviously you know political stability is a big determinant factor of that if you don't have that you probably won't have stability in a lot of other facets um but you know stability of currency stability of politics stability of of transitions of power uh is a big one as well um because stability you think in every domain. stability in every domain is, is hugely beneficial because you think um you know imagine you're an investor right and you've got uh you can invest into a mining facility in Australia, or you can invest into a mining facility in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. You're both going to get, you know, let's say diamonds out of both of those mines, but you know, it's going to cost you a hundred million dollars to invest in it. Fucking hell, which, which, which country are you going to choose to set up shop in? Which country is going to, you know, be, are you going to employ, you know, thousands of workers to extract and run these operations? Well, of course you're going to pick Australia because you know, uh, in, in 10 years or 50 years time, you're still going to have ownership of that capital that you've invested in. In, you know, five years, geez, there could be the next coup that comes through. They nationalize everything and, well, you're shit out of luck. You've lost your, you've lost your um, operation. A fortune and everything. Yeah, absolutely. What well, uh, natural resources hold uh, uh, countries because they relate too much on the natural resources to generate wealth, like... Um, like in Russia, uh, most of the, I think like a large parts of their GDP comes from the oil and gases and and all that. So, so doesn't don't natural resources also hold back countries from developing their economy, just making them only based on extracting and selling resources instead of like high high uh, quality manufacturing and uh, um, you know. so they can. Uh, and it's a well sort of sort seen economic phenomenon called Dutch disease. Uh, and what that means is uh, if you have a nation that, let's say, strikes oil, that's the classic example. A nation that strikes a huge deposit of oil, they go, oh, fantastic. Yeah, the Middle East. Well, yeah. Venezuela. Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that from your video. Yeah, so Dutch disease is is a, is a kind of terrible thing. You kind of curse by your own success because you think, holy, yeah, I'm, we're set. You know, we've made, we've got this oil. Everyone in our country is going to be rich. We can run these fantastic social policies. We don't even need to tax anyone because, you know, um, we've got all of our money coming from oil. Isn't this fantastic? Uh, and that does a lot of things. For starters, it increases the price of your currency because people need to buy your currency to buy your oil. Uh, which means that anyone else that wants to export something. So if you were otherwise running a little export business out of Venezuela, for example, well, you're out of business now because suddenly, because of the massive increase in your price of the currency, uh, your goods are much, much more expensive on a global market. So that kind of hinders your ability to, to export these goods. The other thing is that, uh, you know, you have um, this instance where everyone in the country wants to work in whatever the most profitable industry is going to be. Let's say it's the oil industry, so it's very difficult to hire people. Uh, all in all, it brings in a whole lot of money, but it kind of gives, it kind of runs everyone else out of business, and then you're kind of dependent on this one source of income, which, as we've seen, you know, is not a good place to be in. Not not even as an individual do you want to be relying on one source of income, uh, and certainly not as a country, because it does mean once that goes away, well, you're fucked. 
Well, can can yeah. the same logic be applied on United United States? I mean, it was the world's largest producer of oil before the Second World War. I mean, it could also have been bitten by the Dutch disease, but it did not. But their economy was diversified. Their economy was diversified. So yeah, I mean, there are countries that have huge oil industries. Norway, good old Norway, my favourite. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got a huge oil industry. Norway. I, I think that we can book Norway under an exception, not the general rule. No. Yeah. Of course, I mean, they are they are an exceptional case, and, and certainly they were very smart. But, uh, you know, you, you think, well, hang on, if Dutch disease is a thing, why, why the hell did Norway fall into it? Well, the thing is, they didn't sort of live high off the revenue from oil wealth. They sort of saved it, invested it, so it wasn't necessarily uh, impacting local industries. The one thing that they did have is, of course, that it... it increased the the value of their currency at the time when that sort of took off um, so that was a big consideration for them uh, but it means that now um, they've been able to reinvest it into sort of social policies that will keep on keeping on because it's not sort of oh here's some money it's okay let's put this money into a sovereign wealth fund that's going to continue to generate revenue and in the meantime that means um, that people can continue to run businesses, people can continue to sort of conduct uh, whatever kind of endeavours that they wanted to do, and they're not going to be run out of business by this oil industry. America, for a certain extent, did have a huge oil industry, and it's still it's one of the largest producers of oil in the world. Uh, but it is. It, it is, yeah, it is the largest producer of oil in the world, but it's not its primary sort of industry. It's just one of many more industries that it have. And it's yeah. more about culture of complacency in the society as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Complacency is probably a good word for it. Like, oh, yeah, we've got this money now. We don't need to worry about all of the other things um, that we sort of would have otherwise had to look after. Uh, you know, getting getting oil wealth, winning the oil lottery is hugely beneficial for a, uh, for a country if it can manage it well. It's the same way that winning winning the lottery the average person can be hugely beneficial, but it means, you know, what's the statistic that a lot of people that win um, lotteries end up bankrupt, you know, three years later or something like that. Uh, it's like, no, it's like 10 years later, they lose, like, yeah, and another study, like, they checked the lottery, lottery winners and after 10 years, they lost all their money and, uh, uh, and uh, lived in... Uh, I think wealth should be always looked at yeah. as some sort of a byproduct of life. Your experience matters, your currency matters, your confidence matters. Wealth should be your byproduct of your life. So, yeah. in relation to Dutch diseases, as you were explaining, do you think that's applicable to Australia, given our heavy reliance on the mining sector? Uh, in Australia? Yeah, yeah, in Australia. Yeah, certainly Australia may have felt the consequence of it. Now, Australia is um, sort of lucky in a sense that it still had a balance of trade uh, deficit so we still imported more than we exported so we weren't necessarily living high off um, our exports uh, and mining in australia is certainly something that's seen as uh, a major industry when really it's it's not it's not that huge in the grand scheme of things um certainly it's helped but it's not necessarily something that's kind of the be all and end all for our economy uh, i mean our services industry you know our financial services industry our you know, social services industry uh is a lot more of a determinant factor of our economic success uh, and also things like you know there's a shit ton of foreign direct investment into australia you know people buying up you know properties and businesses and and what have you uh, which has meant that Chinese. 
Yeah, look, I mean, for better or worse, I don't want to get into yeah. the specifics of it because, I've got it's a very hot-button issue. Um, but, yeah, no, it's not something that was at the scale where it was really going to be impacted in Australia because, again, it just uh, wasn't also, their primary industry. Uh, if you could ask the question, where does your nation's wealth come from? Because in many time, times in developed economies, it's from the productivity of your citizens, not from uh, resource extraction. Uh, even though Australia has a big resource extraction business, its main uh, source of that is still its productivity of the citizens that live in Australia of the mining sector absolutely right you're absolutely right the ability for the nation to add value to whatever it is that they sort of operate in you know you think it's it's still a relatively major financial center there's a lot of uh it's a big sort of st stable center of business for um the asia pacific region you know a lot of countries have uh headquarters here in australia for operations that they run throughout um, you know, Southeast Asia, because it's seen as probably a little bit more stable. It's also English speaking for what it's worth, which is a big deal for a lot of nations, uh, especially in the area where it's a bit of a rarer kind of case. Um, so yeah, there's lots to be said about, um, you know, Australia's position in the world being hugely beneficial as well, as well as having a very skilled kind of workforce that, you know, um, is very productive. We don't, um, you know, we're not solely relying on digging dirt out of the ground, despite what months uh, are also, I would like to add a caveat to your stability argument, because the stability doesn't mean having a democracy. A dictatorship can also be very stable. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Okay. It can be very stable just for short, short periods of time. So I, I touched mean, on this in... a lot of, you know, look at dictatorships mm -hmm. in all age countries that don't screw things mm -hmm. up. You get lots of foreign investment. What in are you there. talking about, because like investors... Saudi Arabia? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, so this was. How is that a very stable country? Okay, I'm going God mode for this because this is actually so interesting, and I don't want to be talked over. Oh God, they're still trying. Dear Lord. All right. So that is actually a fantastic point. For some circumstances, yes, dictatorships can actually be quite stable in a sense as there's continuation of government um, where there might be sort of a lack of stability is a continuation of government after the dictator dies uh, certainly you know look I mean the average dictator kind of even a long reigning dictator might be in power for like let's say 40 years 40 years is not long enough for an economy to really sort of hit its stride and if the dictator dies and then there's a civil war over who the new dictator is and there's power vacuums and all this kind of shit um, it's kind of back to square one. So while they're stable, potentially, you know, while some kind of despot is in charge, uh, there's no continuation of power in the same way that a democracy, you know, hey, if the, the party that you don't like gets voted in, okay, well, that's not great. But, you know, in three to four years, there's a chance to make another vote again. And it's kind of a, a relatively seamless transition of power um, where for the average citizen, you, you probably wouldn't feel it. I mean, Lee Kuan Yew was also kind of a dictator, in a sense. It's kind of one party role in Singapore, that's true. Say what? I, I don't want to talk about who's a dictator and who's not, but uh, yeah, I mean, certainly. Um, there are sort of a lot to be said about, you know, political stability. 
anyway, um, this has kind of been extremely off topic of the actual video. So, um, for what it's worth, to do with the US. Yeah, does anyone's actually got anything specifically that they had question out about the sort of video? Because I actually thought it was going to be a lot more of a controversial topic than it actually seems to have been. Um, well, if you look at the American economy, you, you can say that since it's so big, it doesn't really need colonies to extract resources. Because it has everything in its national borders. I mean, isn't that the point he makes in the video? Yeah, that, that's the whole thing of it. So if you are not dependent on it, there is literally no incentive to do such thing. Uh, actually, I would put it back on you. I would say America today is more dependent on foreign nations than any colonial power ever was. We live in an increasingly globalized world uh, where America, while it doesn't own, you know, foreign nations to, to do its bidding in a certain sense, uh, it is still extremely dependent on the world's economy. So it sells um, products that it produces. You know, we were talking about its tech industry. Uh, you know, industries like Facebook, Amazon, well, you know, certainly they have huge markets within the United States, uh, but a lot of their success relies on reaching people throughout the world. Uh, even, you know, YouTube, for example. Uh, so if the world economy goes down, a lot of these businesses uh, that are hugely influential in the American economy suffer from it, and so too does the economy of the United States. Whereas, you know, let's say if you're a colonial power, Oh shit! Well, okay, I've got to go find a a new, you know, um, country to go and extract tea and spice out of. You know, not great, but I will live. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's uh, it's the case, uh, especially in the modern world. I think. Uh, the about but it, it works the other way around too. The rest the of the world is reliant on the American economy. Absolutely, yeah. But the thing is, colonialism is only viable as long as you have technological superiority over the nation. And that was quickly disappeared. I mean, if you can't pacify the natives, good luck with colonialism. It's more efficient to trade than to use force. Yeah, industry um, yeah. is is industry these days is just more efficient. It's more efficient to have countries doing their own thing, doing what they're good at, and then trading amongst each other. So you know, the example that I used is of course of of Apple, which you guys will all know because you've all watched the video. Uh, where yeah. you know it sells it sells phones to to Germans who buy it with their German salary, um, which has been shipped to Germany on an Italian freighter from China, where it was produced using components that were built in India from raw materials mined in Brazil. You know this is still an American company that's going to see the profit from that sale, but it has produced that entire supply chain externally from the United States, and it's still reaping the reward from it. How is that? different than let's say uh, a colonial empire that was you know doing the same kind of thing and then just bringing all the wealth back home for itself in many senses of course it's a lot less devastating for the people that are you know i don't even want to say subjugated uh, it's it's producing wealth for these nations internally themselves so they're sort of happy to do it um, but it's still in a sense you know bringing wealth from other nations back into the united states through through businesses and through industry rather than empire it's yeah. More efficient. yeah, but uh, in this case, there is no genocide happening like in Bengal. 
well, yes, which is, um, you know, economically speaking, you know, I should say, oh, well, I don't care, it's whatever produces the most wealth, but uh, certainly no genocides are um, a huge perk of this kind of system. Well, yeah. if you just blindly ch uh, chase GDP, you can do excuse a lot of uh, atrocities. Uh, why exactly are we discussing genocides and politics? L like uh, the because we were looking at the difference between um, colonialism and uh, you know modern sort of globalization, uh, and in a sense, yeah, of course, there was a lot of issues with with colonialism where you know there was some pretty terrible sort of circumstances that. Uh, the, the colonies sort of had to endure to, for the benefit of their, their host nations. But yeah. I would still say that blindly chasing GDP leads to you to trade with fascist Germany like the US did before the war. Which just shows you that the economic model has inherently no moral compass. It's completely amoral. Okay. Depends. Depends. It doesn't care about politics necessarily unless it impacts profits or profit margins. Yeah, like if the people know you're trading with, uh, um, let's say your your company supports something bad and the people won't like it, the company will stop supporting it. So it's like name me one example. Literally name me one example. Okay, okay. sir. So for so, example, take China. It has literally put ten million. Uh, what what are they? Uyghurs in concentration camps, and nobody. Yeah, literally put Uyghurs into concentration camps, and yet we still trade with them. I mean, so, it's a country, not a company. And so, uh, well, what's your well? First of all, like it does happen when people pressure you. Usually, it's uh, your company or your local business or whatever it is. People pressure it uh, to to do something. Like you know, uh, the reason why um, after the. Uh, Black people were given uh, rights and everything, uh, and so in, uh, after that time, uh, shops in the U.S. still had signs of like no blacks allowed. And why? Because um, well, what happened is because like cafes and stuff like that, they um, usually the white people that shop there, uh, they, they knew like they were like oh they didn't want to shop in places where black people shopped. So this way, they basically force the company to to have uh, a moral, uh, a moral uh, to to make a moral action by prohibiting black people from entering the shop, and you can do that in reverse, you know, by now basically uh, social media pressuring companies to do to do things. It's not. It's like it's not a new thing. But yeah, um, I have just a question. Um, are you going to talk anything uh, about how different taxes, um, also regulations in different states within the US uh, impacts how companies uh, set up their HQs within the US and also where companies uh, decide to have their majority of their workforce or work from, etc. I know you covered it some, but just are you going to cover it more extensively? Ooh, there we go. Fantastic and question. And also how different states depend on each other from West Coast to East Coast and how that dynamic works out also in terms of bargaining power. Uh, so it's a very interesting, very interesting topic for the United States because a lot of censors, it's they're sort of like mini state, well, mini nations within um, a greater nation. 
So yeah, that is actually a topic because most of the videos on the United States so far have been about external policies and how it's related to the rest of the world. Uh, but that is something that's vitally important. And it's kind of unique in a sense for the, the, the nation that's not really seen many other nations around the world because it tends to be sort of the federal government has you know, a majority of the power in these kinds of decisions, but certainly obviously states' rights is a huge deal for the, the United States. Uh, but yes, yeah, that will be um, that will be a video in the series. So, uh, well is done. Australia mostly unitary then? Oh, yeah. For, for uh, you know, for, for businesses like that are setting up shop, uh, it's not going to be the kind of situation where, you know, Victoria or New South Wales is going to fight off against each other on state taxes um, to try and attract, I don't know, Holden or something like that. That just would not happen. Not in, the, so not in Australia. Do, do the states in Australia have different monetary policies or anything like that? No, a majority... I mean, like a majority policy or anything like that? Or no, a majority... No. Just... no, the only thing... They do have uh, different uh, requirements in terms of taxations around things like registering cars and buying and selling of houses. So we have a, a tax basically on buying and selling houses called stamp duty. Uh, and that's really the only kind of places where uh, states in um, Australia get to sort of levy taxes differently from uh, the federal government, because realistically the federal government through the Australian Taxation Office produces most, like collects most of the taxes uh, in Australia. So it is very, very different from, from the American system. Don't forget that the, uh, the territories are doing some interesting stuff with legalization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of like legalization of like, uh, you know, the ACT is sort of legalized uh, marijuana use. Um, and obviously, you know, it's still sort of banned uh, nationwide. Uh, so they have sort of a bit of anonymity with, uh, not anonymity, autonomy with uh, issues like that. But certainly in terms of taxation, it, it's pretty much, you know, the, the federal government's kind of the be all and end all there. Uh, now, I must leave you guys. I'm sorry it was such a short uh, Q&A session, but I uploaded this video yes, extremely, extremely yeah, I did. I uploaded, I actually went out uh, to a lovely dinner, um, but I uh, only sort of got home uh, at around 11 o'clock and then I had to finish up everything, upload and uh, get all of that sort of stuff sorted. So I've got this video up much later than I was expecting to, which means, uh, you know, it's 1am here and I've got to get up at 6am tomorrow. So I want to make sure I'm not a corpse at work. Um, but it has been... Uh... What? Wow. Oh, yeah. Very surprising. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. The, the, the uh, hustle. Also, you forgot to shout out your Patreon at the end of the video. Oh, yes. Um, Go give me money on Patreon so I can you uh, you know, sell out and buy Tesla. Higher engagement. It really helps out the channel. You should get a TikTok channel. Why is everyone noisy? TikToks on economics? That sounds like yeah, something can, that would really pop off. You can is do it, like 15 seconds, like explains of whole countries. Like, I'm sure that it out. wouldn't piss off a simple, single, simple, a single person ever. That would never happen, right? Yeah, I think that I'll leave that one for the kids. I, I don't think um, tick, I don't uh, I don't think TikTok would be very welcoming. Do you not my... cater to the nine-year-olds? Uh, what? Nice. Well, on that, I'm gonna love you and leave you guys. So uh, take it easy. You continue to okay. chat amongst yourself, and Thank I will you. remember to turn yeah. off the stream this time as well. Bye.